the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. First and foremost, uh, let's talk about current market conditions. And then we're going to transfer kind of into other top stories of the day. Rising food cost is a big one today, up 4.9% year over year. Did your salary go up 4.9% year over year? Or did you learn how to save more money on your food? Toyota, they're going to pay a $1.2 billion uh, payment to settle their criminal probe by the Justice Department. That's a fascinating business lesson because we kind of talked about that yesterday with you know how GM starting to see their uh, recall kind of get escalated and take a look at where Toyota was two years ago as far as shares versus today. And you tend to want to invest take the opportunity to get a discount or at least a depressed stock price uh, while you can. Does that make you a bad person? I don't think it does. But we'll talk about that and I'm sure other things. Solar City had a less than ideal quarter. Solar City is in the business of installing solar panels at very low initial costs and then making money on the back end. I think that business model is pretty smart, but it definitely is a loss leader, and that freaks people out. A loss leader being like Microsoft Xbox and the Sony PlayStation, they'll sell the hardware at almost profit, but not quite, knowing that they'll make money back from Electronic Arts and other companies as they license technologies to sell the software and the games that go into your, your, your pooter. I know you're saying, did you just drop the word com from computer? I did. So another day yesterday was of just crazy upness. Now, what's interesting to note about it, broad-based gains, right? But it's very light trading volume, and that tells us that there wasn't a lot of conviction. You know, yesterday the the big headline was that Comrade Putin... His remarks that Russia has no design on partitioning Ukraine was, I guess, a relief. 
you know, the irony of him saying that we're not going to partition up Ukraine and take what we want, there's some irony there, is that he just sliced off Crimea for Russia. It's been the political equivalent of Putin having his cake and he's eating it too. So the White House is warned that more sanctions are coming. Oh, no. So far, the European Union just doesn't seem to have the courage to do really hardcore sanctions. They're closer. They may get invaded. They're closer. They may, you know, lose real business. So you kind of get it. So uh, there's big stories out of China right now. What's happening with their economic condition? Then you get the FOMC meeting today, where you get Janet Yellen talking to the press. It's widely expected they're going to trim another $10 million from their monthly asset purchase, which would probably should be a trigger for uh, maybe a sell-down in the market. But again, let's watch. Let's see if I'm right or wrong. I'm, I was filling out the NCAA brackets yesterday, and I was looking at... There's a guy who works for ESPN, Nate Silver, and he's considered a, a genius with statistics. He's like, uh, he comes up with these weird statistics, like number of throws that a quarterback completes in the final two minutes when needing a touchdown drive. So he's he's a big percentage guy of, like, that's a better under-pressure statistic than, you know, career completion rates. So I was looking at some of his predictions, and uh, some of them were like, 55% chance, 45% chance. So there's one game where an 8 and a 9 play each other. And it's it's literally saying flip a coin. And if you want to try to get some you know upset points, go with a 45-er. If you want to try to like stick with statistics and, and slightly beat your friends and family and others in the brackets, which for the record, please don't put any money into an NCAA bracket because it is wagering, and wagering is against the law. This is a safety message brought to you by Rob Black. Salem Communications, KDOW. So there's going to be a lot of focus today on Janet Yellen. And I want to sing a song like, uh, Janet Yellen, I love you, I love you, I love you. Janet Yellen, I love you, I love you, I love you. She's the... Nah, yeah, it's, that's better. So I want to sing this to Janet Yellen. Zooby, zooby, zoo, Janet Yellen. You and me. I've always wanted to date a Fed chairman who's 50 years older than me. With that said, everyone's going to be paying attention to her today. She is going to be the debutante. Um, and Wall Street will go, what exactly do you mean by inflation? And what exactly do you mean by employment? It's her first press conference since becoming Fed chairman. Oracle and FedEx uh, came up shy of expectations. So I can't say that I'm terribly excited about either. I love FedEx in the sense that it's not a monopoly, but... Until the drones come, they seem to be uh, dominant. You know what FedEx's big fear could be? It's someone like Google who wants to get into business of selling goods. And you can hear them on a sports station in the Bay Area. They're now offering six free months of, of shipping. If someone like a Google who wants to get into, let's say you order a package of cement from Home Depot... Google could send the Google driverless car to go get it and take it to your house kind of thing. That would be a problem for FedEx. The whole driverless car angle. Keep in mind that right now, 
states are freaking out over Tesla. So the fact that states are, are freaking out about Tesla and dealerships and they're just a showroom. They just take orders. They're not quite a dealership. Dealerships are telling the states, like, I gave you money in the election. You better support keeping that Tesla in California, not in my show, but not in my city. I know, it's a character I just played. I know, I know, I know. Later this year when the Emmys come out, please choose Rob Black for disgruntled New Jersey dealership guy. So where does this go? Um, I think there'll be a little bit of backlash of, you know, roll out of driverless cars. I think you'll see some unions say, I don't like it. Anyhow, a company that we talked about a couple weeks ago, and it's it's shot up since then, uh, Zulily. 41-year-old CEO has become a billionaire as the online retailers now rallied 58% this year. That must be a nice feeling. The company that he co-founded, Zulily, in 2009, with the company's billionaire chairman, Mark Vaden, has a 17% economic interest in business. His stake's now worth $1.4 billion. Nice, right? Company's seen double-digit growth. And if you check out Zulily, like yesterday, they said, hey, do you like Under Armour? I'm like, sure, I like Under Armour. So now they're sending me deals on Under Armour. Just throwing it out there for you. Anyhow, and anyway, uh, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about today, we can talk about. Big event coming up two Thursdays from now. So, like, ten days-ish. Nine days. Um, Coming up in Santa Clara. Ten Pillars of Retirement Income. It's a seminar. I'm going to be going over five steps for finding key dividend achiever stocks. Talking about the risk of outliving your savings, which you don't want to do. And most of you listening well. You can sign up for the event March 27th, Santa Clara, at the Santa Clara Marriott. From 630 to 9, 630 to 9, you can sign up for the event at robblack.com. That's com. Sign up today. IVINT.com or call 1 800 594 0856. 800 594 0. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. 516 Each calls in the air. You're listening to AM 1220, KDOW. Tell friends. We don't do a lot of networking, and we don't do a lot of um, advertising, so spread the word that there's a business station out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and much, much more. Um, Toyota paying $1.2 billion to settle the criminal probe is a big story today and probably doesn't affect you. It's a two-year-old plus case. Uh, acceleration problems led to the death of too many people that the courts couldn't look away. And how was the investigation handled and what did Toyota know? When did they know it? So a $1.2 billion settlement is pretty big. Now, it's the biggest for you know, ever in the U.S. history for settling a probe of how the reports of unintended acceleration played out. It's the largest criminal penalty imposed on a car company in the U.S. history. So this opens an a interesting door for GM, who's going through a process right now, who's starting it as Toyota's finishing theirs. 
It also opens the door for, you know, future Ford scenarios. And it's a Pandora's box. There's no doubt about it. It could be, become very hairy and very problematic. Uh, the SP 500's up fractions. The Dow's up 16. The NASDAQ down 8. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, when I was 18, that's when young Rob Black started thinking, I want to retire one day. It's really probably the first time in my head I was like, what am I going to do to do that? How much money do I need? How much do you need for retirement? And I came up with a bogus number. It was a million dollars. A million dollars would pay me $40,000 a year till the day I die. But then you get married, and then you have kids, and suddenly what, your, your numbers start inflating much higher, so to speak. Um, let's talk about when do you know that you have enough for retirement? When can you pull the plug? When are you done? Well, it's, it's relative to expenses. So the first thing you need to do is figure out what you're spending, okay. including taxes, including health care costs that you have in retirement. You take that number now and you project it forward with inflation, at least 3.5%. Right? Okay. So let's say in, in you're spending 100 grand a year now, and in 20 years when you retire, you're going to spend $200,000 a year because that's what you would need. It, it, the value of a dollar is cut in half every 18 to 20 years. So if you're spending 100 now, you're going to need 200 at retirement. Okay. You're also going to need a portfolio big enough to in, continue your inflation adjusted withdrawals each year. So, which, which is interesting that you say that because I think that number is actually higher on seniors. Inflation for you and me is 3%, but inflation for seniors, healthcare costs, they're a lot higher than 3%. So I think you're going to need bigger numbers than you think you do. Yeah, I'll disagree with you a little bit there because the healthcare costs are rising at 5 to 6%. But when I look at people when they're in their 80s, okay. they're a lot of times, I mean, getting grandma or grandpa to eat more than two meals a day or more than a couple pieces of toast for lunch, yeah. it's tough. And they don't travel as much. They're just content reading book and playing bridge and whatever than they were when they were traveling a lot. So, and, you know, they're not buying DVD players and, and TVs and, you know, putting their kids through college anymore. So you can run your inflation. You can control it as well because you can also say, I'm only going to be successful if I only adjust my port, my draws by 2.5% a year. And then they know that and they can adjust for it. But if, if you're spending $100,000 a year now and you're retiring in 20 years, you're going to need $200,000 a year then. And you want a portfolio large enough to be able to to adjust the income with inflation, which means that's why you don't, you don't want to sp- withdraw more than 4 or 5% at age 65. So if you simply take $200,000 and divide it by .05, you need at least $4 million to be successful in retirement. Now, that's not assuming there's any Social Security or pensions involved. And that's not assuming that your home is paid off. So there's a lot of other things that go into that cash flow analysis to determine how much you need. Because if you're looking at your $100,000 a year now, that might be including your mortgage, which is eventually going to be paid off. Okay. So a lot of you, you've really got to have a detailed financial plan. But... You know, it's 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 something that you can do a quick and dirty idea. If I'm going to retire in 20 years, double my income, divide it by 0. .05, and that gives you a little bit of a rough, rough estimate. Do that a little slower. You blew me away with that. Okay, so you take if you're going to retire in 20 years, take okay. your income right. that you need now to live. Okay. Um, if if you're going to have a mortgage that's paid off, you can reduce your mortgage from that number. Okay. Then double that because of inflation over 20 years, and then divide it by 0. .05. Um, if you're going to if you're going to have a pension or Social Security, you yeah. can take your income that you need right now, minus your mortgage if it's going to be paid off, minus your uh, Social Security that you're going to have on an annual basis, and then divide that number by 0.05. That gives you a real rough calculation, but a lot of things go into that cash flow analysis. For example, I've got clients who retire with 90% of their portfolios in 401ks and IRAs. They're going to pay more taxes than people that retire with a combination of 401k, taxable accounts, real estate income, um, and cash. 
You know, there, it's an easier way to control the tax bracket. So it's so relative to where you've saved your money, your expenses, your mortgage, where you're going to retire. A lot of people aren't going to be able to afford to retire in the state. Let's face it. And with that said, one of the areas that I see people making mistakes on, they think their house is going to be their pig. They, they're banking on their house being their, their nest egg. They're, if, they're, if their savings, their 401k is not enough, I'll just sell the house. Mm-hmm. What are the, some mistakes you see? Well, yeah, that's one. I mean, I'll also say if you've... If you're in that point, you know you're pulling too much out of your portfolio to live now, and you think you're going to tap your house in the next 10 years to to maintain your success. Right. Do it now by either selling and moving to a different state or doing a reverse mortgage now while rates are low. I've actually had an email on that very same question recently of you know someone who bought a house in Fremont and wants to sell it, but maybe they'll turn it into a rental while they wait for real estate to come back. Oh, that, that wait for real estate to come back, what? It, you know, it's bottoming, so wh- how long are you willing to wait? If it's negative cash flow, get out of it because it's killing your retirement. A lot of people in this, in this email, this is kind of interesting, Chad. This woman in particular, she said, I'll go rent 1,000 square feet. I'll go rent something that's tiny compared to my house so that I can wait it out, so I can have that negative cash flow and it change around a little bit for me. So people have some sickness, some, some mentality issues, uh, rule of thumbs where they think they know better than the market per se. Well, it might not be a sickness. It might be a morality issue, Rob, because they know that they, they signed those loan docs. They, took it, they, they stepped into it, right, with the bank. So they have some moral obligation to you know, deal with the debt that they took on. So that well, might be the issue. Morality, morality. That's <laughs> CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Mortgage applications fell last week. Um, the, there's nothing in there that's a smoking gun. It's just a piece of data that's out there. Refinancing applications fell 1.3%. The gauge of loan requests for home purchases, which is a leading indicator of home sales, dipped nine-tenths of a percent. It's not a big dramatic number. Fixed-year 30, 30-year mortgages. Um, average about 4.5%, down from 4.52. The day of the ultra-cheap mortgage appears to be over, the ultra-cheap being under 4%, 3.75. So now we're looking at much higher costs associated with servicing your loan. And now you're saying, what's the difference between 3.5% and 4.5%? 20%, 25%? It's pretty big, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. You can find me online at robblack.com. Big event coming up in Santa Clara. A couple Thursdays from now, you can sign up at robblack.com. of financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220 KDOW traffic. A new crash outside of Tracy in this Bay Area update brought to you by Garmin. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking 
all things financial money invested in more. I'm always stunned when you hear, like we heard yesterday from a survey, that most Americans don't have $1,000 saved. And then you get to the numbers at 10,000, the number at 20,000, the number at 250,000, and fewer and fewer and fewer hike up that scale. You need a lot of money to retire. Now, maybe your plan is to work until the day you die, but what if that doesn't go so well? People are broke for a reason. I'm convinced of that. I mentioned to a fellow TV worker yesterday, Mark Dannon, who has a young son and who's got, you know, the newest Xbox. And I was like, you ever, like, just want to wait until one goes on sale, like, on Craigslist or eBay? You know, the kid bought it and his dad didn't want him to have it, so he has to do, like, a fire sale. Instead of buying absolutely new, wait a couple of years. And he's like, my kid will never go for that. So he has to, he has to buy new. New clothes, new video games, new cars. Uh, and I don't get it. It's We're sold that. And that's a bucket of, you know what it is. So we all know we should be saving more. And we all know we should be spending less. And yet, most of us appear to be broke according to surveys. Or near broke. One of the big reasons that you end up broke is that you started to go to college and you quit. The difference in lifetime earnings between a typical high school graduate and a typical college graduate over a 40-year career, a worker with a bachelor's degree will earn a million dollars more than a worker with just a high school diploma. So a college degree will get you about $2.4 million in earnings for 40 years. Whereas a high school diploma will get you about $1.37 million. You bump it up to a master's, that probably will cost you another $50,000 from your college degree, but it adds another $400,000 in earnings. Now, going back to school doesn't mean you're going to earn a bigger paycheck, but it helps. And think about the careers that it could help in. There's lots of them, like financial, pharmacy, nursing, so a good rule of thumb on the you know the student loans for a graduate from you know who's just finishing college now you want to borrow no more than you expect to earn in your first year of work. So if your college degree costs you 100,000 in theory you should your first career job should be 100,000. If your college debt was 25,000 and you're making 30, 40, 50,000 you did great. If you're way under on the income side of that debt side relationship, you're in trouble. So education is one of the reasons people will be poor. Now, another reason people will be poor is that they keep up with the, the Joneses. Every neighbor that surrounds me has a better vehicle than I do. And I'm okay with that. Um, I don't want to keep up with the Joneses. I know most of the neighbors, one of them's working way past his prime. Um, and I know that, you know, he was a benefit of getting into housing that took off, but he, he didn't create a lot of real wealth. So I, I know that the, I know the report card. You don't want to keep up with the Joneses because I know what they've sacrificed. 
one of the things I look at is I'll look at car reports to make sure that I'm buying, you know, what's considered a value of a car. Um, not only do you have to drive the car, but how much maintenance time on maintenance is pretty important as well. So another reason why people are broke and have no money, again, I'm just playing with this in my head, is that a lot of people don't work hard. You know, when I'm done work Friday, I don't look at work until Monday. I don't watch business shows on the weekend. I used to read the Wall Street Journal cover to cover all five days on Saturday, but I've given that hobby up. It was too uh, time-consuming. So are you working hard or are you hardly working? You need to find a nice sweet spot. So and you need to show people around you that you've got value. Um, I'm in a job scenario in television where, you know, the, the business of television is getting weaker and weaker year over year because the YouTubes and the alternates are out there. You have to show value or, again, you will be replaced by someone who's smarter, faster, sexier, and costs less. Another reason people are poor and stay poor is that they drink, they smoke, they eat fast food. I'm not saying don't drink, don't smoke, don't eat fast food, but they're all expensive. They're all bad habits. You know, fast food's not expensive out of the pocket, but it is to your health. So give up bad habits. You know, a pack of cigarette costs 6 bucks. You'll spend $2,200 a year on a pack-a-day smoking habit, which is just a nasty habit. But one pack of cigarettes will also, you know, $35 in health care costs. An extra $12,775 a year if you smoke. So $2,200 in a pack, pack-a-day, really is $14,000. Moderate drinking adds up. Two glasses of wine a day will run you $1,000 a year. And that's if you're, ch- ch- you know, sipping on the cheap stuff which, you know, I'm fine with. Don't do rubbing alcohol. Do not substitute rubbing alcohol for red wine. Um, Another reason that people are poor and will always stay poor, and I know I'm speaking to a lot of people out there, Um, when you shop at the supermarket making an impulse purchase at checkout, one in five people do it, whether it be a pack of gum or a soda, it adds up. Check your spending on a month-over-month basis, and, you know, again, cutting out habits like soda, it adds up. You go to 7-Eleven, you pick up a soda for work, it's 2 bucks. So you don't have to cut all discretionary out. Um, but if you shop impulsively, I mean, do things like cut out the emails that you're getting from corporations that want you to buy. So I would maybe even take a spouse shopping with you for groceries and say, do we need this? Do we need this? Do we need this? Can you be that objective? Stop playing the lottery. Another reason people are poor and will always be poor. Powerball tickets. Okay, your odds of winning one in 175 million are so slim that you're just stupid for playing. So 77% of those who struggle financially play the lottery weekly. A $20 per weekly lottery habit is $1,000 per year. You wouldn't struggle as much if you save that money. Again, keep in mind, this whole 
why are people poor argument came out of yesterday's survey that very few Americans actually have $1,000 saved. Successful people don't count on luck for their wealth. They go out and earn it. Uh, as I like to say, a man. I work like a man. It's just goofy to say because that doesn't even make any sense. But I work is the phrase, not I'm going to hit the lottery and get lucky. If you invest $1,000 every year in a mutual fund that earns 7%, it's going to be $105,000 after 30 years. So quit, quit playing the lottery. People spend $1,000 a year playing the lottery. That's stunning. Um, minimum payments on credit card debt. Another reason why people will be poor their whole life is that they take out a credit card debt, credit card, and it's got 15, 20% interest rates. If you just pay the, the, the minimum with a $5,000 credit card balance, if you just pay the minimum, it takes 32 years to pay off the debt. Of which $5,000 you charged was a great vacation, but you paid $8,000 in interest. You paid more than double. So if you got a credit card issue that you're carrying balances, you need to fix that. If you're carrying balances and you're poor, you really need to fix it. If you're not rich, you probably wish you were. There's a big difference between wishing and having a goal. My goal was when I was 18, I wanted to get rich enough to the point that I could retire and not work till the day I died. So what I did was I started, I started thinking about it. I started thinking about it and analyzing it. I started thinking about it, analyzing it, and planning it. I started thinking about it, analyzing it, planning it. I tried it. I did it. I did it again. I did it again. You have to, like, figure out how you're going to get wealthy. Be as specific and as realistic as you can. Don't give yourself a vague goal of, oh, I want a lot of money, so I don't have to work. I gave myself when I was 18, I want a goal of $1 million by the time I was 35. Because in my naive head, you could live off that, and it's not realistic to live off that. You get a wife, you get kids, and like suddenly a million dollars is nothing, right? But if you're going to be solo your whole life, a million dollars probably is enough. You may have to make some lifestyle changes to help accommodate that, but a million dollars only pay $40,000 a year till the day you die, and some people, that's a lot of money, and some people, that's not a lot of money. Another reason people will be poor their whole life is they keep hanging out with their loser friends who are poor, who like to go out and get drunk, who like to go out and, you know, spend money on baseball games recklessly. If you go to a professional sporting event, you better be wealthy, because otherwise you're prohibiting your wealth from ever happening. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Big event coming up Thursday, a couple Thursdays from now in Santa Clara. Sign up for the event at robblack.com. AM 1220, KDO 4%. That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Here was an AM 1220 KDOW. Make sure to tell friends the business station is here in the Bay Area. And there's how you can find it, AM 1220. So Hillary Clinton's going to become a focus of Wall Street soon. Not yet, but soon. Will she or won't she run for office? And is she too old? Some people in her inner circle don't want her to run. You know, I don't know. Barbara Boxer's encouraging her to run. People look back at Bill Clinton's presidency and they go, you know, that was a pretty good time of prosperity in the United States. To, you know, 1992 to 2000, the whole Internet thing kind of happened. And a lot of wealth was created. Bring back the Clintons. I, I'm not smart enough to know. You know, any given candidate. I don't pretend. I'm not Republican. I'm not Democrat. I'm sorry. Um, but that's going to become a big story next year. As we move towards 2016. Not this year. Next year. But again, it shows you how Wall Street kind of works. It's a discounting mechanism. So right now when the markets are doing really, really well, and last time I checked today, the markets were doing really, really well. Yesterday they did really, really well. Uh, SP 500 up six, well, it's up a point right now. Dow's up 16, the NASDAQ down nine. Last time I checked, it was, it's, the economies were not like, hey, did this job market's great. We're kind of putting lipstick on that peg. Job market's not great. It's okay. It's better than a stick in the eye, but who wants a stick in the eye? The housing market's great. No, it's okay. It fell hard in 2006. It hurt a lot of people. It put a lot of people into bankruptcy. It put a lot of people into foreclosure. To this day, I know people who are struggling to you know, deal with what they, what they purchased. And how great is it if you're a renter, this, this housing market? It ain't great at all. And some people are meant to be renters. There is a clause in the Constitution that says, you know, you get a free house, you get a beautiful wife, a beautiful life, a beautiful car. No, actually, that phrase got deleted at the last second. Like that airline pilot's files on his computer. Dun, dun, dun. Boy, I hope they find that plane soon. Just because the speculation on it is ridiculous. I want to I lay down an official guess. Um, internal fire in the plane slowly took out all the electronic components. Pilot was flying low, not to avoid radar, but to land as quickly as possible if possibility would come up that he could land without his tools. plane eventually got overcome with smoke, and they, they drifted and drifted and drifted until they ran out of fuel. That's my guess. I'm on the record. Does anyone else want to chime in? Probably not, right? It's kind of creepy. It's only been a week. I know. Um, I still like the financials. Sometimes I get a little freaked out when looking at financials and J.P. Morgan and their business dealings and what they're going to have to trade off or not trade off and why everyone hates Jamie Dimon. Wells Fargo CEO and Wells Fargo's dominant player, 
dominant player in mortgages. Their CEO is a guy named John Schumpf. Schumpf. I think it's got a P-A-F-H-T in his name. Poof. What great name for a kid, huh? If anyone's having a baby and you want to come up with baby names, call me and I'll help you. Because I always thought it would be fun to name your kid. Pff, whatever. So every time you get mad at your kid, you go, Pff, whatever. Just like I always thought the uh, middle name Danger and Trouble. Great for guys. So men, if you're going to have a baby, talk to your wife tonight and say, can we do the middle name Danger? Because he'll always have a pickup line at a bar. Come up some dangerous my middle name. Trouble's my middle name. And she'll go, nah, nah. Again, I'm going to win an Emmy. I know I am this year for all my voice characters. So Stoops Compensation, CEO of Wells Fargo, $19.3 million last year. Mamas, don't let your kids grow up to be cowboys. Have them grow up to be financial CEOs. Uh, he was also issued stock. Nearly $60 million from vested, unvested shares. It's not quite pure last year's compensation. But how's that for compensation? What did you make last year? $80 million? That's better than ballplayers, right? Bank CEO? Okay, so you're going to probably have to send him to Harvard or, or such. So he's going to have to network, such. Maybe even get, make a deal with the devil if you have that pen that converts blood into, well, you Some of the other CEOs, um, CEO of Citigroup, $17.6 million. Um, just $2 million from stocks. J.P. Morgan's Jamie Dimon got $20 million, up 74% from the previous year. Capital One's Richard Fairbanks, who you see the commercials. What's the CEO make? $18 million plus $23 million in stock options. Not too shabby, huh? 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 So get your kid an abacus when he's a baby. Start there. Move him on up to a Texas Instruments calculator when he's two. And uh, hopefully he's, he's doing math equations before he's even walking. If you can raise such a kid. I challenge you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Big day for Janet Yellen on the markets. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. This is Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talks now app and the author of Construed as Legal, Tax, or Investment Advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. 
Bob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. I try to help you turn your head upside down on some of the things that we accept as norms in our life. I do want to be shocking at times and say it's going to be a rough retirement for most Americans. But that's shocking intro. I promise you that I will never, you know, just do shocking for shocking's sake. Uh, my goal is to always get you thinking about where you are financially. There's an article, there's a, a paper published that I just recently read tied towards New Jersey and people leaving the state. New Jersey is one of the states that has that millionaire tax. And since it's been acted, since it's been enacted, a lot of wealth has left the state. In 2010, New Jersey lost income taxes of roughly $5.5 billion because residents moved out of the state. So that's the year that they started putting taxes on people who make $500,000 or more. That's roughly the top 1%. So we all know this argument about the top 1%, the haves and the have-nots. The haves have a lot. In a four-year period before the millionaire's taxes, the aggregate net worth in the state increased by $98 billion in taxes. So after the tax, the net outflow reversed 70% of the wealth gained in the prior four years. People basically voted with their pocketbooks. I tend to think that's how elections are won regardless, but in this case, they said, we're moving. So I don't think it's as easy as saying we just need to tax more because that's not – in this case, it resulted in New Jersey taxes were leaving you. And now you're $5.5 billion worse off than you were before you taxed us. People are pretty smart with their money. And if you were to raise taxes, you know, the top 10% of Americans, it's still not going to be anywhere near enough to, to fund what we want in our dream political world of which only politicians live in, and sadly they make it that dream political world, frankly, our politics. Other big stories out there today. Oh, and let's start with, it's a Janet Yellen day. So a lot of what's going to happen is going to be at the back end of the day. And I could say, it's going to be an up day, and she could say, hmm, I got a booger in my nose. And so the markets might go the other direction. So a Anything can happen when the Federal Reserve speaks. So the direction could change pretty aggressively. Because one of our guiding thesis, 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 uh, is that the cheap monetary policy is helping. So she's going to have to talk about the economy, and part of the economy is going to be inflation, part of the economy is going to be jobs, part of the economy conversation that she's going to have is going to be housing. And she's probably going to take $10 billion off the quantitative easing three. Keep in mind that quantitative easing two once ended, quantitative easing one once ended, quantitative easing three will eventually end, and then we'll be back to simple monetary policy of interest rates, do they raise them or lower them. It's been a long time that we've been in this cheap money policy. The S&P 500 is up fractions today. You could say sideways, maybe waiting for Yellen. We used to wait for Ben Bernanke, but now we wait for Yellen. The Dow's up 10, NASDAQ's down 5. Again, it's one of those days that there's not going to be much action until there's a reaction. It's probably the easiest way of putting it. So Google came out. Google 
came out. What's up with my voice? Google came out yesterday and uh, did a little chatting about a watch. It didn't really get much play in the media. I have the sense that Apple comes out with a watch that people are going to, you know, be lining up at stores and to be the biggest story, of the biggest story of media of that day, right? So mobile on your watch is an angle. Yesterday, Google and Motorola and LG and a couple others all sported what's going to be the design, I believe, of a wearable watch. It's going to come out in the next couple of months. The software that's going to be powering it is called Google Wear or Android Wear. And you can see the Google the Google design on, you know, the G Watch, the Motorola Moto 360. The watch is going to link Android smartphones and respond to voice commands by using Google Now, the company's personal assistant. They can make recommendations, answer questions, predict information you might want. Apple's been working on a smartwatch for more than a year, of course. Um, but we don't see it. So Samsung beat Apple to the market with a watch. Google's beating Apple to the market with a watch. Why isn't this bad news for Apple, or why isn't this glorious news for Google? I don't know. By releasing its smartwatch and operating system for wearables ahead of Apple, Google's going to grab part of that category, you know, the smartwatch category. Sales of Android smartphones, by contrast, didn't really catch up with the iPhone until 2010, three years after Apple unveiled the device. It took Google a long time to really get in. So Apple could still fare very well, even if they don't get a watch out right now. But the longer it's delayed, the more opportunity is going to be missed. And a lot of people are thinking the Apple Watch is going to have some pretty radical new developments that aren't in any other operating system or any other wearable device at all. The one that I'm hearing about that sounds the coolest would be something that can monitor your heart flow on an audio level, not on a beat, but on an audio level. And it can basically tell if you're going to be having a heart attack anytime soon. It might wake you up in the middle of the night and say, hey, get some aspirin in now. Um, I would love to see how that works like when you're, if you're wearing your watch on a treadmill. I mean, that would be fascinating, right? You'd pay money for that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Coming up in this, at the half hour, at the bottom of the hour, I'm going to be talking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, economist with Briefing.com. I'm sure we're going to be talking about what Yellen could say and does it care or not care. Oracle's numbers were on the weaker side last night. You can see that they're hitting stiffer competition from Salesforce.com, stock I like. You can see that they're getting into licensing and cloud services, cloud services getting into. We missed expectations there. Larry Ellison and Oracle spent $50 billion to acquire 100 companies in the last 10 years. And they're still considered, this is considered a soft quarter. So Oracle provides a lot of the software and gear clients need to shift to web-based computing. And he has to, Larry Ellison has to remake the company on a regular basis. 
cloud computing business is you know starting to hit its stride and investors sleep a little bit better with good guidance. And they gave good guidance. Oracle's the biggest maker of database software, hasn't posted sales growth more than five percent in ten quarters. Company's the second largest maker of business applications behind SAP. They acquired a hardware player with some microsystems that a lot of people didn't understand and Frankly, now that the cloud's rolling out the way it is, they're lucky they did. Anyway, anything you want to talk about? We've talked about 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Yours to AM 1220. KDOW. Flipped. The yield on 10-year T-notes rose to 2.69%. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing in more. Toyota is paying a $1.2 billion penalty over disclosure of problems. It's the largest car company's ever been fined in the United States. It's got to have GM thinking, uh-oh. Lawyers are applying the Internet now for clients in GM lawsuits because there's more money suddenly involved. Rough winter, hurting sales at FedEx as well as General Mills. Two very different type of companies, right? General Mills is Cheerios, you'll play, Betty Crocker. Um, revenue dipped on them. They blamed weather. Hindered by bad weather, lower volumes, and unfavorable currency exchange. Same kind of idea came out of FedEx. You know, they're the first real look at these two guys that the brutal winter had on the shipping industry. Temperatures across the vast area of the United States, from the Great Plains to the Midwest to the Northern Appalachians, you know, ran at six degrees for a while. That's cold. So severe weather hurts truckers, it hurts railways, it hurts airlines. Capacity gets constrained. Demand picks up and you don't have the capacity to fill it. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Take a look at the market numbers. This is a Fed meeting day. S&P 500 is up fractions. The Dow's up five. The Nasdaq down four. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burt, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Tackling some of the bigger financial planning concepts. Let's talk a little bit on the 401k to an IRA, main reasons why you would roll over your 401k. I guess that's when you're leaving a company because we're rolling it over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've left a company or you've, you've retired. Let me let me get a couple of reasons out of the way on why you wouldn't do it. Okay. Because we can't just ignore those. There are certain times where, you know, you go to somebody that's trying to sell you something, they'll always tell you to roll it over. But look, if you retired early and you're over 55, a lot of 401k plans allow you to take withdrawals before age 59 and a half, between age 55. So as long as you've separated from service and you're over at the age of 55 or over, you can take withdrawals from the plan without paying the 10% penalty. 
So early retirees may need to do some planning and leave some of the money in the 401k to access it penalty-free. Um, the other situation is if you're facing a legal issue, major lawsuit or something like that, you might be better served in the 401k. Other than that, a lot of people say, I'm just going to leave my 401k there because either I don't have time to deal with it or the investments are performing fine. Well, in a rising market where the S&P 500 is up double digits, everything's performing fine, right? Right. And you can always find those funds or even a cheaper version of those funds at a brokerage firm. You can open up an IRA at TD Ameritrade or Schwab and get the same funds there. Don't you bring in some potential risk of... Uh, you, now you've lost that professional guidance, or now you've lost that professional structure, and you have to recreate your own structure. Well, if you no, because typically nobody's moving the money for you. You still have to pick your own choices within those funds. And a lot of smaller employer plans have hidden fees that the employee doesn't see. They're supposed to disclose that now, but nobody reads it. So you might have what looks like a well-known no-load fund, but it's inside of an annuity contract with an extra one percent in annual fees. So get it. And it's so hard. When people end up with three or four different 401k plans and IRAs all over the place, they don't know what their overall asset allocation or performance is because it's everywhere. Consolidate it all into an IRA. You end up with better investment choices, lower fees. You can have the ability to convert to a Roth IRA if that's right in your financial plan where you pay the taxes now in exchange for a tax-free account for the rest of your life. Also, IRAs do have that kind of better Emergency access, Rob. If if you know people are laid off, for example, sure. Um, if you're using the funds, there's certain rules that apply. So you got to look this up and deal with a tax advisor. But if you need to pull money out without for, to pay for things like health insurance costs or higher education costs, there's ways to do it without paying the 10% early withdrawal penalty on IRAs, where there's not with the 401k plans. Uh, I've also seen people that retire and they have their 401ks couple different 401ks left at the places they used to work for. And I've seen those companies, they go through a takeover, a merger, or the plan is suspended because something's gone wrong in the plan. And all of a sudden, you know, they're taking withdrawals out of the the 401k, and they're having to call to do it. Yep. And all of a sudden, they go through a 90-day blackout period where they can't do anything. And then what do you do? So easier access to retirement. A big one, too, for older people where they really need to get out of the 401k and into an IRA is that at age 70 and a half, you're forced to take money out of your retirement accounts, whether or not you want to. Now, if you had 20 different IRAs, you could calculate your annual required minimum distribution for all of them and take it out of just one account. If you have money in 401Ks and 403Bs, you have to satisfy each different account. And a lot of people have been getting a 50% penalty because they calculate their 401K into their IRA, calculate their minimum required distribution for their 401Ks and IRAs together and just pull it out of the IRA. Yep. That's not satisfied. You just shot yourself in the foot, and you have a 50% penalty on what you're supposed to take out of the 401k. So get them rolled over. So there's a lot of reasons to consider rolling over a 401k to an IRA. We just went through many of them. Um, better investment choices, lower fees, ability to slowly convert to a Roth, a little emergency access in case you need it without that 10% penalty, and easier access at retirement. If you want to find out more about Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocus financial.com. I'm Rob Black. You can find me on YouTube, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show. Again, it's Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. And you're listening to AM 1220 KDOW. The S&P 500 is down fractions today. The Dow's up five. The NASDAQ down five. Again, it's a Fed day, and I'm not trying not to talk about stuff that's moving the markets. I'm just saying we kind of have to wait on that one. 
because monetary policy is such a big mover. I don't think anyone's expecting her to go crazy and raise interest rates, go crazy and end quantitative easing three completely. No one's expecting that, but we'll look for a little here or there. Solar City down 4% down a quarterly loss. They're going to lose money for a while. The question is, is the company who's doing, you know, booking resident residential areas and saying, okay, we'll come to your house, we'll put the panels on, we share in the, in the revenue. That's a good question. Their bookings in the quarter represent more than 100 megawatts of first quarter residential bookings with strong momentum, overall continued strength in the bookings. Um, how far and how high can they get to? It's, I'm not going to say the sky is the limit, but solar's changing. It's aggressively getting cheaper. And if, and this is a big F, if Elon Musk gets his gigafactory set up and it's kicking out panels faster and faster, making them cheaper and cheaper, Solar City's going to look cheap down the road. 800-516-1220. You get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. You're listening to AM 1220. KDOW. Find me online at robblack.com. We've got a big event coming up in Santa Clara. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Fed policy decision today coming up roughly 11 o'clock Pacific time. Expected to announce $10 billion taper. Expected to lower monthly asset purchases, thus to $55 billion, which is still crazy. It's big. Let's bring in our economist, Dr. Jeff Rosen. He's not our economist as much as he is. The chief economist at briefing.com. Dr. Jeff Rosen, how are you? Good. Pretty much so. You think no big surprise today from from John Yellen? Uh, I don't think there will be anything in the... Um you know, in in the statement, that's going to be a surprise. You know, like you said, I think a $10 billion reduction in QE is probably what's going to occur. Uh, I think the bigger and more important piece of information is um, you know, what's going to happen in her, you know, quote, press, you know, uh, interview afterwards. Uh, is she going to give some kind of, you know, um, some kind of let us know somehow about what uh, her future policy is going to look like um, with the economic growth picture slowing down a little bit, especially considering what she was thinking economic growth was going to be in December and January following those meetings. Uh, you know, I'm concerned that you know, she's going to have to talk about 
you know, new target levels for inflation, new target levels for unemployment, and uh, a new way of keeping forward guidance, uh, you know, on the down low. Let's talk about a new definition of inflation or a new level of inflation expectations, what's good, what's not good. And then let's do that same thing with employment. Give us what you think her perspective might be or maybe your perspective. My perspective is that inflation is too low, that they need to do something to get inflation growth you know, up to where they want it to be or possibly even a little bit faster than where they want it to be. Uh, they got to do something to force um, wage growth. And you know, pushing up inflation expectations is one way of pushing up future wage you know, gains. And it'll help with current debt situations as well. So I, I think the Fed's got to do something with that. And the unemployment rate, as it's currently defined, is a pretty useless statistic. I mean, you have an unemployment rate of 6.7% right now. They said that they wanted to get to 6.5% before they start to uh, potentially think about increasing Fed funds rates. And there's no way that a 6.5% or 6.7% that we are today is the same thing as 65 or 6.7, you know, a year ago or even five years ago. You know, we have a lot of people that left the labor force for, you know, reasons for demographic or reasons because they couldn't find a job, which has deflated the unemployment rate from a, its true natural rate to, you know, a more biased uh, point. So, you know, the Fed's got to come out and, and with a statement that clearly defines that, we, that, yes, they understand that the unemployment rate is not really an indicator of how the labor market is doing, and they got to give an indication of what they want the labor market to do before they start doing, uh, you know, tightening. And the worst-case scenario is that they leave unclear objectives, and it leaves the market assuming that interest rates are going to increase quicker than what the Fed intends, which would drive up long-term rates today and make you know, life more difficult for everybody uh, moving ahead. Thank you for doing that. That was quite a mouthful. It's Dr. Jeff Rose <laughs> talking the economy. Um, the Federal Reserve, some people, not me, but again, I'm not smart enough to really have an opinion on this. What would happen? Do we need a Federal Reserve, or should it just be more of a free market where interest rates you know, find their own level? on all transactions? Well, I mean, you're trying to reduce volatility so that business decisions and investment decisions can be made um, with a pretty good idea of how long-term policy is going to be. If, if you have lots of near-term volatility that could spark long-term volatility, which makes it difficult to understand you know, where things could be, it makes a very difficult decision to invest. You know, If you think that interest rates could be 5% today, 2% tomorrow, and then 15% in, you know, 10 years from now, how, how do you invest in that situation? How do you, you know, buy a house or buy a car? You know, you really want to have stable trends, and there could be too much fluctuation without the Fed. I think that's the biggest um, reason why it's there. What do you think happens as the Fed transitions out of QE3? Will there be enough in our economy to get that velocity to escape the need for quantitative easing? Or It's tough to say that the quantitative easing has done enough as it is to you know, help boost economic growth. I mean, there are a lot of studies that have shown that in terms of you know, the economy, it hasn't done much. Now, it's really hard to 
do those because you're basing your facts on counterfactuals, meaning that you're taking a guess at what the economy would be if the policies weren't in in place. But um, you know, and my feeling is that QE probably didn't do as much as that as the Fed hoped, but it did do at least a little bit, and a little bit is better than nothing. And I don't think the risks are that great of future inflation or you know runaway. Uh, you know, interest rates at a future point because of this. So I, th- I think it was good that they did it, but I don't think that what they did, you know, did that much. That's, you know, even though they're pulling back, I don't think the, the negative effect is going to be as much. Earlier, you mentioned that inflation, we need a little more inflation. Isn't inflation kind of a, a bad word? Kind of like, you, or is it Goldilocksian? You have to find the right it, level. It's, it's a little bit Goldilocksian. It's the problem is that without inflation, your real debt increases. You know, if if you have deflation, for example, if you take out money, you know, if you take out a loan today, it's going to cost you more in the future to pay it back. So if you take out a loan today, but you have inflation, it's going to be easier and cheaper for you to to pay it back. Uh, inflation historically has led to not real, but you know, nominal wage gains because you're forcing employers to pay you for the cost of living increases, which also reduces your real debt in the future. So, you know, you, you need some inflation to get that moving. You, you don't want the opposite where, you know, prices are declining, so you hold off on investing or you hold off on purchasing because you don't want to get stuck with something that's going to cost more in the future if you don't need it perfectly today. So, you know, there is some, you know, some leeway. Now, the opposite is having too much inflation where it, you know, your wage growth doesn't meet what's going on in terms of, uh, you know, price gains and your um, purchasing power in the near term gets, you know, gets hit because you can't afford to buy everything because, you know, food costs too much or, you know, gasoline costs too much and it forces you to pull out of, buying some goods to buy staple products, you know, it, it, it hurts the economy in other ways like that. Anything that you're working on right now that is relevant to our listeners? I think the, you know, the fact is we really got to sit down and, and listen to, to Mrs. Yellen talk tonight. I, you know, I think that her response about how forward guidance is going to play out, how she sees the economy playing out and seeing how that reacts to Fed futures, how that reacts to inflation expectations, seeing if, um, you know, if she changes the direction of the Fed, you know, a little bit, if she, you know, starts talking that the tapering could slow a little bit more than we expect, because I think right now, at least my feeling is that uh, tapering is going to continue at this pace, you know, until the quantitative easing is, is completely removed from the system in, you know, November, December. So I think uh, listening to her responses on, you know, what she thinks is going to happen is probably the most important thing of uh, of the week, if not the month. You mentioned inflation being okay or parts of inflation being okay. What parts do you like or where do you like to see inflation? Wages, of course. But prices just to keep corporations making money so they keep hiring people, is that – where are you going with that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all of that. It, okay. You know, you need a little inflation to boost demand. I mean, it really does boost demand. Um, you don't want too much inflation because if your wages can't keep up with it, then you're in trouble. But, you know – 
it's not a specific area. You know, you don't necessarily want it in in your staple products of food and gasoline in the, in the short term because it makes things difficult, especially on the on the lower income bands. But you know, overall, like you know, a steady price gain, you know, two and a half percent is is probably uh, you know optimal policy. Okay, thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen. We'll talk to him next week a little bit about what he's seen in the economy and what's not. I wanted to get a little bit more color on the whole inflation's good, and there's some truth to that. Inflation always feels like it's not going to be good, but that's one of the reasons why you have to save money. That's one of the reasons why you have to invest money is that you can keep up with inflation. Um, cost of food up 5% year over year, and there's some, a lot of people who are a little freaked out about you know supermarket prices just by looking at their, their bill, and I totally understand that. Um, up 4.9% year over year. That's the type of inflation that means we've got less money at home. Gasoline prices, when they go up, we have less money at home. And that ultimately leads to we spend less money on vacations and, and other areas. So cold weather in California, a citrus greening disease in Florida. Um, just part of how inflation plays out. Do you want to pay more? Probably not. But does it help the scenario? Maybe. You can find Dr. Jeff Rosen at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. You can find me at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Big event coming up in Santa Clara a couple Thursdays from now on wealth and retirement issues. You can sign up at robblack.com. KDOW traffic. Big accident in Pittsburgh and it's the Ariana. Matter. What's the, what's the what's the growth look like in the U.S. economy absent the weather? Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. Listen to AM 1220 KDOW. Last week we talked a little bit about a report out that Apple was having a terrible quarter. An analyst at Wedge Partners, Brian Blair, said that you know, there was some supply softness. Today, Morgan Stanley's out saying a different story. She says iPhone sales are actually going to be stronger than expected. Morgan Stanley's got an AlphaWise smartphone tracker. And they're estimating Apple will announce 42 million iPhones shipped in the March quarter. This runs counter to expectations based on the supply chain. If you use the supply chain data... She says Apple will ship 38-plus million iPhones, which would be about flat on a year-over-year basis. The AlphaWise tracker uses web search analysis to determine an estimate. Sounds unreliable, but the results have been pretty good. For instance, last quarter it predicted 50.5 million phones, and they actually came out with 51 million. It's tough for you, the average Joe, to figure this out. And... That's one of the reasons I say when you pick stocks, be careful. Because you either have to take the bigger picture or you're going to be susceptible to maybe 
Apple will have a bad quarter as people are starting to think Apple 6. So is the supply chain working overdrive? That's a big question during the holiday quarters to generate extra product. We'll find out soon enough, and that's one of the things I love about the business we're in, talking money. There is kind of a report card period. Fed Open Market Committee statement comes out in a little less than two hours. I read a paper recently that talked about people who are obsessed by technicals. And ultimately what the bottom line here was that fundamental analysis, which is concerned with economics, with financial statements, with earnings, anything else that you would justify a evaluation in real-world sense, that's one school of thought. And then there's the technical analysis, which tries to predict things by looking at past price movements. So there's a new paper out, and ultimately what it says, it's called, it's one of those uh, business school's papers. Fundamental analysts tend to spend more time bashing technical analysis and vice versa, so they kind of don't like each other. The paper ultimately says the magnitudes are economically important, controlling for concentration turnover. The marginal cost associated with technical analysis is approximately 50 basis points of raw return per month. For high derivative rollers, the marginal cost of technical analysis from portfolio selections is 140 basis points. The general advice is that you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're trying to use technicals, mathematics, as your only choice for picking a stock. Because of price movement, I totally, you know, my history has been that people who are chart-obsessed are fantastic at losing money. It's just another way of losing money, and I'm, I caution you. Copper's having a bad day today. Solar's having a bad day, but solar's really seen a lot of price drops. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Copper, back to that story, because I only brushed at that, and I should have given you a little bit more. Chinese property developer, Xinjiang Zingun, real estate has collapsed. China's property sector accounts for almost 40% of copper demand. Concerns are about slowing Chinese growth and domestic bond defaults have weighed on copper. So if you think China's about to turn around with positive news, maybe you go long copper. If you think this is the beginning of the end, you continue to short it. Uh, copper is only copper. It's never cloud copper. It's never cloud XP. It's just copper. And declining demand in China if supply is high, is a killer for the prices of copper. And copper runs on supply-demand stories. Or economics. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. Um, Disney announced that Cars 3 and Incredibles 2 are on their way. That's okay. I'm not wildly excited by that. Uh, because they have two more movies that they've got to get through. And they don't look like big winners. For Disney. Um, but CEO Bob Iger talked like the next Star Wars movie is going to take place 30 years after the sixth one was over. So Luke's or Leah's baby. Did they have a baby? Seems like they had a baby. Someone had a baby. So it'll be a 30-year-old kid if they did have a baby. Now I'm getting them all confused. 
So anyway, um, Bob Iger, he's going to be out at Disney in two years, just as his mandatory term comes up. Disney's got this in place, so they always are getting new CEOs on a regular basis. It's like seven years. Who's going to be the new CEO? Uh, Steve Jobs, big shareholder. His estate, big shareholder of Disney. Could be. His wife? Or no? Um, Cheryl Sandberg. She seems like an obvious candidate having kids and having experience running Facebook. We'll find out in a couple of years. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Taking a look at the market numbers day. Again, we're waiting two more hours until Federal Reserve Chairman Janet Yellen kind of gives us gives it up, gives us some data to check to on. SP 500 is down one. The Dow is down three. The Nasdaq's down eight. Yesterday, big up day on very little volume. You always have to watch out on that. Got an event coming up in Santa Clara at the Marriott. It's pillars of retirement, things that you need to know to plan it correctly. But also, I'm going to be going over how to pick dividend to cheaper stocks. Great companies, great balance sheets, great ability to continue to raise their interest, uh, their dividends. You can sign up for that event coming up a couple Thursdays from now, about eight days. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.